Welcome to the Canadian SME Podcast, a podcast for Canadian small businesses. We interview Canadian experts and entrepreneurs to provide expert insight into marketing, innovation, business leadership, technology, and trends that impact small business. Our mission is to empower Canadian small and medium enterprise to help you grow your business. The need for more racial and gender equality has never been more relevant than it is now. In order to continue providing jobs that benefit society as a whole, we must ensure an environment where all can succeed according to the skills they bring with them on their journey through life. I am joined by Sean McEwen, consultant at Hire for Talent, which is a project aimed to increase employer awareness about how people with disabilities are a talented part of workforce. Sean McEwen is a workplace diversity and inclusion consultant and a director at Real Eyes Capacity Consultants. Over the past 22 years, Sean has been designing and overseeing employment inclusion and entrepreneurship services for people with disabilities while providing leadership and coaching to teams of career practitioners serving job seekers and employers. Through Real Eyes Capacity Consultants, Sean has co-developed employment inclusion training for organizations, facilitating employment services for a diverse group of job seekers. In this podcast, Sean discussed how many small businesses can be more intentional about creating cultures where all their employees belong and what kind of accommodations can be made to ensure people with disabilities are successfully employed. Hi, Sean. On behalf of Canadian SME, I'd like to welcome you to our small business podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Perfect. Now, Sean, very pleased to have you on our show this afternoon, mainly because of the reason that, you know, you are a workplace diversity and inclusion consultant and your background is in youth services and mental health. Can you share with our audience, what are your thoughts on the future of diverse, inclusive companies? And can you share an anecdote about the time you took a different approach to diversity and inclusivity? Um, so I've been doing this work for about 25 years now, um, mostly based around helping people with disabilities, various types of disabilities, to get into the workforce. So my job as a director of operations for Gateway Association in Calgary kind of involves helping people um, access career exploration resources through a team of career consultants and, and then access the workforce through a team of workplace inclusion consultants that kind of match the talent of the people that we're serving to the needs of employers that, that we're meeting with. So it's a very beneficial kind of resource to employers right across Canada to be able to access all these publicly funded service providers to help them access diverse talent. So throughout my 25 years of doing this work, uh, it's it's kind of shifted, you know, it started with a lot of kind of disability advocacy focus, which is understandable, you know, people with barriers and who, who face, um, you know, barriers to inclusion, to participation, to employment, have higher rates of poverty. Of course, they need help with, with accessing uh, resources and, and getting into the labor market. But really, the shift that's kind of come about is we've realized uh, as a nation that people are being born in Canada at a slower rate that they're, than they're dying. So what's happening is as people are aging out of the workforce, we're losing workers. And because of our current workforce demographics, 
got a lot of older workers who are going to be aging out within the next 10 to 13 years. And the replacement workers for that group aging out will it will all come through immigration, through diversity, um, hiring Indigenous people, people with disabilities, new Canadians. And on top of that, we're going to be dealing with a much younger workforce, one that statistically cares more about diversity and inclusion and healthy workplace culture than, than some of the older generations like myself do. So that that is something that, that we're really seeing now is a shift towards uh, many employers being very aware of diversity and inclusion, not as just a nice thing to do to have a better workplace, but actually as a bit of a business sustainability strategy. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, you're right when you said that, you know, in order for a company to have an inclusive culture, they need certain things. And but how, but Sean, how can small businesses be more intentional about creating cultures where all their employees belong? Yeah, of course. And this really starts with leadership, you know, in uh, particularly in small to mid-sized enterprises, we, we have leaders, business leaders in this environment, and they tend to get very, very caught up in the operational. They get very caught up in the day-to-day, -day. Uh, you know, if you, if you are making bicycles, you want to make the best bicycles, the most bicycles, that's what they're focused on. And what they're not focused on always is things like workplace culture. How happy are people at work? How included do they feel at work? And what's really important to know about this is that inclusion, we think of inclusion as this kind of, you know, almost buzz phrase, this warm, fuzzy phrase, people need to feel included. But if you look at it from a neuroscience perspective, feeling excluded socially is something that's very threatening to humans. Over, over four to seven million years, our brains evolved to see social relatedness as key to our survival. And that hasn't just gone away in the last couple thousand years. You know, there's that's still in us. So when we feel threatened, when we feel excluded, we really don't perform. We get re we get um, almost incapacitated with our, our own thoughts and emotions around feeling excluded. So what's really important for leaders to understand is that creating an environment where people feel safe, where they feel like they're part of the conversation, they don't feel bullied. That's a performance enhancer for your business. And if you're allowing people to feel excluded in a business, to be bullied or mistreated or feeling like they, they don't belong or they're lesser than their coworkers, then you're really, really hurting your own business's engagement and performance. And unfortunately, even witnessing behaviors of exclusion can really bring down um, engagement and performance and productivity in other coworkers. So in fact, inclusion is a performance enhancer and it's opposite uh, a poor workplace culture where, you know, bad behavior towards each other is tolerated. That, that is a serious liability to any business. The thing that I think leaders in a business need to remember about helping to foster an inclusive workplace is to be open to the conversation, to, uh, to get the perspectives of other people. It's very easy for me uh, in my job as a director of employment, I'm looking down at everything from a thousand feet up. I've got a team of 10 career consultants and workplace inclusion strategists who are out there helping people uh, develop career goals, who are meeting employers. It's easy for me to tell people, you know, hey, I'm, I'm the boss, do this, do that. 
what's what's really a much better way to do that though is to say these are the things that I think need to happen. Tell me your perspectives. What am I getting right about this? What am I getting wrong about this? Because they're on the ground looking straight forward. I'm just looking down, you know, from a thousand feet up. So you need you need to have those different perspectives. And in fact, that's the very nature of diversity. The reason diversity matters is to have diverse perspectives on the same problem. It makes for better problem solving. It makes for innovation higher levels of productivity, adaptability, business resilience, diversity. If you if you can find a way to make the workplace culture inviting enough that diverse perspectives are shared, you will have a stronger business. And that that's really about setting the tone from the leadership level. Absolutely. Now, is there anything else, Sean, that you would like to add or think is important for small business owners to know when looking at how they can increase workplace engagement and job satisfaction among their employees through inclusion efforts? Yeah, I, I think one of the more important things is to really to get those perspectives. There are ways to access, if you're a business that has more than a dozen employees, there's a great resource called Guarding Minds at Work. And that's part of the national standard on the um, on psychological health and safety in the workplace. So if you go to a website that's just guardingmindsatwork.com, there's an excellent third-party workplace culture assessment that that is free. Um, you can have your employees fill out these surveys. It goes to a uh, third party. It's not not anyone in the workplace will uh, see the individual employees that that have answered it, and it kind of grades you on, you know, 13 psychosocial indicators. That's a fancy term for just different criteria that make your workplace uh, healthier. And it lets you know where you're doing really well. And it lets you know where you could improve. And then it gives you a list of like 30 things that you could do to improve. So that's a really cool, valuable, free resource for a small to mid-sized business. The other thing that I would suggest is Consider working with a service provider. In 1995, the Canadian government uh, put into play the Employment Equity Act. And since that act has been in place, many, many, many millions of dollars of funding every year go to publicly funded service providers like the ones I work for in Alberta um, to, to essentially help people with barriers get into the workforce. And for employers to take advantage of that to not just to source talent, but also to get some some assistance with, uh, with inclusion coaching, with inclusion resources, that's a really, really valuable thing for employers that, that isn't really accessed to the extent it could be, primarily because service providers are really worried about, <laughs> about getting people into the workforce. Uh, they're not worried so much about promotions and marketing. So uh, hire for talent. Uh, the organization that I contract with out of CBDC Restigouche in New Brunswick, they have put together a service provider directory. So if you go to hireforTalent.ca, you'll find a great service provider directory that you could find service providers near you that you could talk to, uh, source source talent, get some assistance with diversity and inclusion strategies. There are there are a lot of resources out there, and it's it's just a matter of finding them. Right. Good to know. Now, if we talk about people with barriers, now in order to ensure that people with disabilities are successful in their job, 
is it essential that they be, and it is very essential that, you know, they be given the proper accommodations. Now, Sean, what kind of accommodations can be made to ensure that people with disabilities are successfully employed? That's a great question. Workplace accommodations is something that a lot of HR people and a lot of business owners feel kind of threatened about and worried about because they feel like they don't have the expertise to do it. And in fact, you're, you're already accommodating employees all the time. You know, when people say that they're not feeling well and they need to go home early, uh, when a single parent says that they have to pick up their kid from school or take them to a dentist appointment, we're doing accommodations all the time. And really, the, the folks that we're serving as a service provider, as somebody that provides services to people with disabilities, the, the accommodations that people need are so simple. And in fact, I've hired many people with disabilities to work for me, people with medical disabilities, people with spinal cord injuries, uh, dyslexia, things like that. And essentially, you have a conversation with the person about, hey, what's what's getting in the way of you doing the job to to your full potential? What kind of accommodation could we put in place to help you do it better? And uh, and is this a permanent thing or something we should review in three months? It's really that simple. You know, it's it's not a big, complex thing. And I think that we have let the uh, sort of WCB return to work model scare the hell out of us about workplace accommodations. We think that there need to be doctors and lawyers and, and insurance companies involved. And it's not like that. You know, a person with a disability who doesn't drive might say, you know, the last bus out of this warehouse district happens at 1130 and I don't get off until midnight. Is it possible that I could do some sort of work from home so that I can leave at 1130 to, to be able to get home on time? Or somebody that uh, that needs a desk that you, you know, those those desks that can go up and down, the handles on the side, adjustable height desks, you know, something like that, um, which if you're buying a desk anyway, what does it matter? Just just buy the accessible thing. That's something that I think we should always ask ourselves. And it's an element of something called inclusive design. And uh, if you simply ask the question, this process that I'm trying to put in place, whether it's a job posting, an interview, buying furniture for my office, who might this exclude? If I was going to go ahead with this, you know, if I bought this desk and then I hired somebody who had to use a wheelchair six months from now, would that be a problem? So just keeping your mind on accessibility is really important. But workplace accommodations can be very much about playing to the person's strengths. In terms of disability, you know what, there's over 300 different kinds of disabilities that affect people. Over 20% of Canadians identify as having some type of disability. And then if you add to that things like episodic disability, so things like mental health issues like depression or anxiety that would go up and down within a person's life, 50% of Canadians experience that by the age of 40. So we're talking about massive, massive numbers of people, some of whom are already in the workforce. And accommodating people is a simple matter of just asking them, what, what do you need to make this work for you that, that is within my ability to provide you? as an employer. It's not as complicated as, as people might think. Absolutely. Now, on a final note, Sean, how would you suggest small businesses get involved and make a positive impact on the inclusion of people with disabilities? Because together is apparently better. Sure. Well, this, for starters, and the reason that, that I would really encourage employers to look at people with disabilities is that hiring people with disabilities 
really trains you and coaches you to build a more inclusive work environment. When you hire a person with a disability, you tend to be thinking, okay, what do I need to do to get this right? And, and that actually is a great mindset when you're hiring anyone. Um, but it, it does absolutely, we hear this from employers all the time. This made me a better leader, uh, a better communicator. It made our workplace more engaged. So that's the reason why I think people with disabilities really offer a lot to the workforce right now. And what employers could do to get more involved, to find resources and service providers to connect with, again, check out that hirefortalent.ca website. You're going to find a lot of good resources and information to help you there. This is Disability Employment Awareness Month, uh, DEAN. Happy DEAN Month, everyone. Um, the, in Alberta, we celebrate that a lot. So if you went to a website called deanalberta.com, you'd find a bunch of really cool resources there. Uh, the Canadian Association for Supported Employment Employment has a lot of resources for employers online, and their website is supportedemployment.ca. So checking out just those three websites alone would give employers a lot of insight into how to go about this and, and in a much more comprehensive way than I can do in the space of time we have to talk. I'm so glad we had the chance to speak about this crucial topic of DNI and mental health because there's still so much to learn. But thank you so much, Sean, for taking the time out of your busy schedule and being so insightful. I think our audience would be pleased by hearing from you. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, great talking with you. Chatting with Sean was an amazing experience. Sean's educational background is in youth services and mental health. He's a certified employment specialist and has chaired the board of directors for both the Alberta Association for Supported Employment as well as the Canadian Association of Supported Employment. Sean works across Canada, but it is based out of Calgary and has worked extensively with Indigenous communities in southern Alberta. We hope you enjoyed it. Please do share the podcast and feel free to check out the other episodes. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our magazine to stay up to date on all our upcoming events and get the top business insights from industry leaders. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Canadian SME Podcast. Please visit canadiansme.ca to subscribe and join us next week as we share more expert advice from Canadian business leaders. Music